0: Welcome to Effigy Recall, a community based podcast for the miniatures game Judgment. All right. Hello and welcome to another wonky Kong Fabius Bile episode of Effigy Recall. How are you doing today, Fabius?
1: Doing pretty good. How about yourself, wonky?
0: Oh, you know, enjoying the weird 70 degree weather we have right now in Wisconsin in November. It's a a strange occurrence, but yeah, I spent some time outside yesterday. It was quite enjoyable.
1: There you go. We've had some nice weather down this way as well. I think uh, the last few days it's been like 60 degrees here, so can't argue.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty nice, but now it does mean I got to get yard work done today. So, you know, (laughs) looking forward, not really looking forward to to that situation, but um, is what it is so of course all right so we have jnac it's finally here we're finally at the the final event of version one uh got the qualifier going we got the bracket going uh so we'll be we'll be talking all things jnac starts so how do you feel about that
1: uh i'm excited you know i'm Obviously, I'm a little disappointed that I didn't make enough points to get in myself, but uh, that's that's just neither here nor there. I'm excited to see how these the rest of these games turn out, and so far it looks like we've had a pretty exciting round one.
0: Yeah, there's been there's been uh you know if you go by the the numbers there's been a mm-hmm. couple of upsets the rankings. I don't know how much you know how much you really put necessarily into the rankings just because of the you know it's based on how people got points right so it's not necessarily um and you could say depending on how points go it being a lower rank just meant you had more points but some of it might have been the number of events played in so there were for people that literally played in only one event and qualified um Mm -hmm. so that kind of shifts it a bit like just because they did well in one event they could have equaled someone not doing as well and say two events or three events or whatever to get the points right the way that Exactly um so if you go strictly off the those numbers there's been a couple of upsets um however yeah i don't know if i'd put a whole lot of stock in that but it's just kind of fun right when you do like your march madness bracket you know your number 16 your number 16 upsetting someone your number 15 or whatever it is so. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna start by uh we're gonna we're gonna take a bit of a a look at the hero like pick rates or not pick I would say pick rates not in like in the actual pick and ban phase, but just pick rates and how people brought him into war bands. We'll do a little bit of comparison compared to the last qualifier, because that's the last event that we were podcasting during. Um we're gonna and then we'll take a look at some war bands if there's anything we really like. Um and then we'll just keep more and more and more JNAC. <laughs> Review. So, uh, with some hero trends, there was, there was some probably to me a little bit interesting is that um, Cavardo dropped h- a huge amount. I think the last event he had quite the pick rate. Um,
1: there we were, I th- let's see, there, I think there were nine of him. If there I were remember nine,
0: yeah, so there were nine Cavardos in the last qualifier. Granted, the last qualifier <clears> was 22 <throat> people. So it was a right. bit bigger. This is only 16. Um, but Cavardo dropped to 50% of the value that he was in. Um, in that. Yeah. War. So that's a little surprising to me. Um, maybe people just feel that they, he didn't fit with war bands. I mean, a fair chunk of the people playing on this event played in the last event. Um, so, I'm a little, I was a little surprised by Cavardo. I know a lot of people think he's really strong, but maybe people are after the patch are saying, Hey, maybe he's not as good as everyone thought, or, you know, just doesn't slide into what they're doing. Um, What are your thoughts on that one?
1: Um, I think it's, you know, people have seen what he can do and they're, they're realizing that he does have a time and a place to be there, but I think it's, they're starting to see that he doesn't just take the spot of anybody that maybe people were thinking he would
0: okay you know yeah i mean i i think he's pretty versatile like mm-hmm. i think the i think a lot of people bring him for the tk yeah uh, the telekinesis ability is fade ability where you can place other models um and but he has a lot of other pretty strong tools but i feel Absolutely. like maybe people were only playing him around the telekinesis and not like not playing around the mind control or um his really incredibly strong magic gun that he has cuz he's got um point blank so you can always shoot it. You can always shoot into people's back lines because even when you're engaging him he can still shoot past that. Um, and it's a pretty strong damage grid that brings fire. Um, so I mean I, I personally brought him but um when we get into uh my warband uh I'll I'll kind of talk a little bit about why I brought him. Makes um, sense. But yeah, he, I was a little surprised by this much of a drop. He's, he was, he's brought, uh, I think four times. So it's tw- like 25% or something of the stuff. And last mm-hmm. time he was brought in almost 41%. So it's definitely, even if it's less numbers just by percentage. It was a drop off. Um, right. right. Not just by sheer number. Um, <clears throat> maybe people are, you know, we have this, habit as gamers right of playing whatever the new shiny is and now he's he's two patches removed and maybe people are seeing like hey there's other stuff that you know was better or you know or maybe the other thing too is people thought that you know in the invitational um, people will play around the things that cavardo can do better (laughs) and that that changed you know kind of the mentality about him a little bit
1: That's very possible. Um, One of the things I'm noticing here, though, is Styx also, if I remember correctly, from the last qualifier, Styx didn't have that many people playing him.
0: um, Let's take a look. Styx was brought six times for about 27. In the last one? Oh, okay. In the last qualifier. So, in six, I think, was brought four times?
1: Yeah, he was brought four times this time, which.
0: So it's okay. roughly
1: about equal, right? Percentage. Yeah, it is roughly about equal. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that's one of the things I would look at is, you know, either sticks had pulled some of that, but I don't think so now that you say it that way. You yep. know, I, I, think, I think the fact that what we're seeing is maybe, as you and I kind of were talking a little bit prior to this, you know, we saw an uptick in Bastion.
0: And so I think, right, The if you go by some of the general Warband theory, um, especially the one that Cheddar tends to push, his thought mm-hmm. is that you tend to, um, you start with, you know, double Defender, double Aggressor, or triple Aggressor, double soulgazer, or whatever it is, and then you shift pieces around based on that. Um, so if people are taking less Cavardo and sticks, that's opening up room for more Bastion, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you have some more of that that's available to you, um versus uh what was there prior, right? So that might be some of that that we're seeing is that people are looking at um, looking at that kind of stuff versus um the movement stuff, right? So they're saying, hey, instead of me bouncing stuff around, moving things around, I'm just gonna brick up and death ball you with a Bastion giving me all the dice. Right. Right. Um so that was a bit interesting to see that one shift. Now there were two two heroes that trended um, I guess the same, if not more. So mm-hmm. Fazil, the main man or main or nud man is he actually got picked more in this one versus the last one. So the last, uh, last events he was picked seven times for about 32%. This time Fazil was in nine of 16 war bands. So he's breaking 50%. Yeah. Um, the man is everywhere (laughs) would appear. Um,
1: I I think it's just people are, you know, people are looking at him and going, I can count on his damage pool.
0: Yeah. He, I think a lot of people probably would say that he's probably the best aggressor in the game. Um, I don't know if there would be much argument for anything else. Fazio kind of does a bit of it all. Yeah. Um, he he, threats further than anyone else does. He brings two really strong conditions. Um, yep. he, he brings quite a bit of survivability ever since he went up to Agi four from Agi three. Yep. Um, he can overleech. He can eat souls. He can, He just kind of does all of it. And then the other thing is, is he's not an aggressor that when you have, like when you kill something, the soul sits on him. Right. So like a lot of times, um I would say it tends to tends to be a bit more of a newer player problem is that they don't protect their souls. Right. Right. They're like, I've got a zonia, I'm gonna gonna charge. Zonia's a
1: perfect example.
0: Yeah, zonia will destroy anything you put in front of her, but then right, the the secondary thing is how do you keep her alive? once she has that soul, I know when I was playing Zonia a lot earlier on, I was the same way. I'm like, Oh man, that Zonia is going to blow up that defender easy. You know, go with her early in the turn, blow up the defender, feel good about life. And then she just gets murdered. (laughs) It's like, uh, crap. Um, so Fazil, like he, he, he can extend at times to get kills. Um, but you get that soul goes to the closest hero model. So if a defender is close by, you're gonna put that that soul on a very difficult to kill model, and you tend to hold on to that soul a bit more. Granted, he does have some downfalls, uh, but I think I think those downfalls can be uh, you can play around them a bit, mm-hmm. and also uh, de- the decap is just it's strong. It lets you do things in this game that other heroes can't um
1: that's so true
0: and and it and it's not a thing that needs to necessarily take fate and it's something that can happen multiple attacks and activation, right so like it when you play this game there's a very finite amount of damage that you can see right so like if i've got a we'll just go with thorgar because thorgar is kind of the like a somewhat, I guess he's like your generic aggressor.
1: He just hits he's hard. He's good over reliable.
0: Yeah. Um, but when you look at a Thorgar activation, you can kind of look and like you know how much damage he's going to do, right? If yeah. he charges, he gets a follow-up attack, he crits twice, that's 12 damage, right? Like, If you have zero res. Fazil can really break that like damage calculation. Because you're like, well, okay, I can put this guy in kind of a bit of a rough spot, but I, you know, he gets one activation and then I can save him with, you know, a defender ability or whatever it is. Right. I can, I oh. can put something in the way I can engage the fazil to not let him charge, whatever. The problem with Fazeal is, is that he allows you to out of nowhere, just double the damage on something. So you're like, okay, now I'm looking at a fazil, and he might on his charge, just do 12 damage because he crit caps. It just could happen. And it doesn't even take a fate to do it. Right? So it it just it occurs. And then his follow-up attack, while he tends to have less dice, it can still like it still happens. And all of a sudden you're like, all right, so with zero fate fate investment, because dice said so, Fazil can do like twenty-two damage out of nowhere. Yeah. Or whatever it is, right? With a charge, because he gets extra damage well, on the
1: charge a, the a charge and then the charge. Yeah, with a charge and a follow-up attack. In that aspect, he can only ever do, uh, it's seventeen, assuming that they have no res. Uh, no, no well, you can right?
0: you can decap twice, so it's twenty-two.
1: Or I'm sorry, yeah.
0: Um, the
1: chances of you decapping a second time are less likely, but yes.
0: But all uh, but um, out of nowhere, it can happen, right? But it that's, can happen, yeah. That's kind of the thing that like shifts, like. And it's not a fate, right? Like when you look at other bursty aggressors, Brakir, Sonia, um, Brock at his level three, depending on how you look at his level three and what he's going after. Right. Um it it takes a fate, and this just it can just occur. Right? So I, I don't know, and I think that shifts it a bit. He also allows you to do weird things on the first turn of the game. Um I've seen watching a handful of people play like a 15 inch away monster and they'll walk, they'll walk charge and just decap the opponent's monster and just take it. And like, and while the decap is low percentage, it like swings the game, right? You have those initial resources that you're kind of depending on a bit to get kind of set up and get going. And Fazil just says, screw you. I'm taking it. (laughs) And, um, and there are other ways you can do that, but it tends to be ranged. And then yep. ranged isn't also getting the fate. Like I've seen more than a few times people will crit decap, will walk, charge, crit decap, like an opponent's ash tooth that they softened up so they could take it. And then uh-huh. you're like, all right, here's a fazil. Just took your ash tooth to go to level two. I get two fates, So you're going to gear them up to make them difficult to kill. Granted, you are exposing your fazil, but there's ways you can play around that. Um, yep. And there's ways that you can like, you know, maybe walk walk sticks up and pull him back or he gets a couple of pushes to get into a better position. like it it's a weird thing that it's weird the things that Fazil can do like that you don't necessarily expect because dice just say they can. So um I, I think that's a big reason why you see him. He's also just super tanky. Even if he's not decapping, he's still he still is doing good aggressor level damage. Um and he has two really potent combat maneuvers, and a fate ability I think that is very underrated.
1: It is very underrated. I mean, um, that's one of the things I can, you know, kind of talk about a little bit with my last when I played in the qualifier last. I don't know how many times being able to slap somebody with poison, and then immediately blow a fate to do D3 true damage, and then give them another negative one. That came into play so many times, it wasn't even funny.
0: Yeah, so like, yeah, is an interesting one, because he also has some really good control with that, right? So, yep. like, poison your opponent can shake, Pestilence they can't, and Pestilence lasts until Fazil goes again. So, like, if they kill your Fazil, because you get a bit aggressive with him, the Pestilence stays there until he goes again. Um, and minus one to, I, I think it's every stat, right? I think it's every stat besides res?
1: I think that's right.
0: Um, I think it's, yeah, it's, like, move your melee, magic, RNG, agility. Here, I'll check for you. Yeah. Um, I think it even might be Soul Harvest. It's I think just, it is. But... I think it it's just strong, right? And then if you have poison layered on top of that, like, you're basically shutting down a hero's activation. Um, during... So,
1: yeah, they, they lose one to their melee, magic, range, agility, and Soul Harvest abilities.
0: Yeah. So, um, so it and doesn't then... hit
1: movement and it doesn't hit res.
0: Okay. Yeah, Rez. I don't think many things.
1: Uh, no, do. and it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, so he—he he seems. I he, I think he's probably the best aggressor in the game. I didn't take him um, in my warband just because of what I was going for. Which again, mm-hmm. we can talk about my warband when we get there. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, Fazil's—he's—he's he's strong, and I don't know what it would take to to deseat him from probably the best aggressor in the game. Uh, I, I really don't know, to be honest. He's just good.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, I think the important thing here is, is while we, we both are, you know, we'll sit here and we're going to praise Fiziel because he is really good. The big yeah. thing about it is also, he is a champion that, with the downsides that you do have as an undead, you can very easily misplay him if you don't play him right. Um, it's one of the things I've had it beaten into my head so many times because i misplayed Fazil so many of my early games with him. Yeah. I've had to learn how to play him. And now he is definitely one of my best aggressors that I'm good with.
0: Yeah. I mean, he does have the downside of being undead, right? So when you kill an undead, mm-hmm. a soul gets bound <clears throat> to your opponent's effigy. And that is a big downfall because if you kill him, that soul is, it's, it's theirs. <clears throat> There's no way to get rid of it, no way to strip it, no way to kill what has it. Um, it's it's incredibly strong, and um, that's actually one of the reasons why, with the warband I was playing, I didn't kind of want Fazil, because um, if you get too aggressive with them, you just lose this whole. Um, and I, I I when we get into my aggressors, there there's some other reasons I took different ones instead. So
1: makes sense. Um,
0: but I think I think instead of beating the dead horse about Fazil, we're gonna move right. on. Absolutely. Um, so the other hero that was taken um, quite a bit was uh, Marcus. So Marcus has kind of been one of the more popular defenders, I would think, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharn kind of overtook Marcus for a while, but now Sharn got brought back in line with the last round of nerfs, which I think were very, very needed. Um and so Marcus is an eight of 16 war So he was taken quite a bit. Um, I think there's a handful of reasons for it. I think he's, he's a bit more defendery than Sharn, I guess I would say like he does a bit better to keep your models alive. Where Sharn's more about being just difficult to kill and then moving your opponents models mm-hmm. with the hammer smash and, and whatnot. So, But Marcus is definitely like, he's got the knockdown set up, which a lot of people love with the shield. Um, Mm -hmm. He's got the wall, which I don't see played super often. Um, But I think it's more the knockdown than protective stance. We're in a meta where um, there's a lot of res one models flying around Mm -hmm. sticks, cavardo, Isabel, any dwarf. Um, (laughs) And he adds a res and the res one to res two is a very very significant jump in survivability um it means glances don't do you any damage yep so it's a big jump in survivability uh i think that's why we're seeing a lot of markets i think it's just knockdown and adding a res to things that already have res is pretty good Uh, he's also the base soul harvest for that most defenders are um, yeah, he just feels all around good and he doesn't ever feel like over the top. You know what I mean? Like he just feels good, but not so good that you have to take him. But um, cause like Sharon used to feel so good. You really wanted to take her. <laughs> like the old hammer smash was so good.
1: Right. Uh, no, I, I think I would agree with you. Um, it, it's all about his toolkit, right? And out of yeah. every, out of every defender that's out there, um, I think Marcus has the best all-around toolkit he, with, as you said, the plus one res, you know, the wall, the shield with the knockdown. On yeah. top of that, though, he's still got the ability to put out damage like a normal, you know, a normal person with his sword having two, three, yeah. four. Yep. He's still able to go, get in there and do some hitting. And then on top of that, if you do happen to get Marcus to start leveling up, all he does is he makes it even harder for your opponent to do stuff when they start getting locked in around him
0: yeah and i mean the the agility 4 res 2 is such a good stat line he doesn't yeah. have the the shard ignore 1 res that people ignore but agi 4 compared to some of the other ones means they're not getting huge amounts of dice against him most uh-huh. of the time um yeah i've been i, I play him in my warband um mostly for stacking the res and uh the not i mean the knockdown's always knockdown right like knockdown's never not going to be good right so like or even just the threat of it right the threat of like all right i'm playing you know like an edgy three guy so marcus can easily come in and knock him down granted edgy three to edgy one doesn't you know always feel bad as the four to one situation but you're like right. all right i knocked that guy down he's gonna have a bad time Um and he can do it without fate, right? Thrommel brings knockdown, but he's got to hit and damage with a hammer. And then he mm-hmm. has to spend a fate for that knockdown. Um, and, actually speaking to Throm- yeah, and actually speaking of Thrommel, who was taken <clears throat> quite a bit last event, uh, Thromwell was mm-hmm. 10 times last event. He was, he was almost in 50% of Warbands. We've seen Thrommel come back down to earth. Um, he's taken in 4 of 16, so 25%. Um, I, think I, Doan, I,
1: I think that makes sense, just because where we've seen Cavardo drop too, as well.
0: Yeah, I feel
1: Thrommel's going to drop as well,
0: and that that probably explains a bit of why Cavardo dropped as well was the fact that Thrommel came down. Right, it's a very common pair, um, and I also think Thrommel was very high because he had just been changed, and I think people mm-hmm. wanted to try him out a bit, um, and. Uh, We'll talk about Thrommel in one of the games I streamed. because um, it's was an interesting <laughs> what Thrommel did that game. Um, uh, but Thrommel Thrommel's one of those ones that like he's still good I really do like the battle the the bodyguard change that they did for him. Um I think him and Don Rock are getting that change like the defender splits pretty good.
1: Yeah, the defender split is really actually a really nice split.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll move into that a little bit. The defender split. Um, so you've got Marcus at eight, Sharn at six, Don Rocker at five, Thrommel at four, which is a pretty good split. I would consider those the like standard tanky defenders. And then Sky was taken twice, and Skull was taken twice. Um, so those I always expect to be taken a little less. They are defenders, but they're a bit different. They're not. The like I'm I'm a big res, hard to kill defender. They're more, you know, Sky's a bit more tricksy and movement stuff. And Skull's like I just have a whole bunch of hit points, kind of defender ability uh, or like their defensive profile. Right. Um, but of the more, I, I would say tank or traditional defenders, the split's pretty good. I mean, Marcus is up there a bit, but that I think Marcus will always be a very popular defender. Just because he has a very well-rounded kit, and um, I think the other thing that alludes to it—not necessarily in this event, but in you know other events—is the fact that he he comes in like the tournament kit. Mm-hmm. So a lot more people are probably just playing him because of. Interestingly
1: enough, by the way, I just went through and did kind of the uh, finding of where Thrommel is in each warband. Um, yep. There is only one warband that has Thrommel and Cavardo together. Okay. Thank you to the constant way for doing that breakdown.
0: Yeah, the so the stats we are using were all provided by the constant way. He posted them in the JNAC channel on the Discord. Um, So if our numbers are off, blame him, not us.
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't.
0: uh, We're just using them because I didn't have time to compile stats, and I'm going to go on the assumption that he properly did the stats. So. uh, But. Yeah. Yeah. The defender breakdowns good. The other one. Um, that you actually called out when we were discussing a bit, was the aggressor breakdown. Uh-huh. So what are some of your thoughts on that one?
1: Well, I, I think it's really interesting, you know, besides Fazil, I think it's really interesting to me that you see Allendear and Kogan are tied with Brock and Zonia as the next most taken aggressors.
2: Yeah, at that's...
0: At four, yep.
1: I, I think that's, you know... To me, that's really surprising, um, simply because I'm not surprised by Brock and Zonia. obviously. They make sense, you know, because they're in your face, they get aggressive, they do their job really well. Yeah. Um, with some of the some of the ways that we've been hearing people talk about ranged versus melee and how ranged yep. just kind of sometimes felt bad, Alan Deer being up there at four was a little mm-hmm. surprising. At the same time, mm-hmm. though, Kogan is definitely a surprise because... Uh, as you and I have talked about, he, he's one of those aggressors that he gets overlooked so much because A, either his card doesn't jump out at you, or you just, you know, it's hard to use his gun because he's uh, melee seven only range six, or people just don't see value in him as much as they do maybe some of the other aggressors. And I know after playing him in the last qualifier that I played him in, being forced to play him as often as I was, I have learned the true value of Kogan. He's probably (laughs) one of my favorite aggressors now.
0: Yeah, I've actually... So, you know, being the Minotaur fanboy that I'm in, that I am, I've I've played a lot of Kogan. um, Mostly eventually in the herd, but then I've started slotting him in other places. I actually brought him him in this event um, as well. So I think... I think there's two strong reasons you're seeing Kogan. Um, I think the the threat of the minus 1 res on that powerful short range gun is a big part of it. Um, because the fact that there's a lot of there's a lot of res 1 hanging around. Yeah. And being able to ignore a res can be very strong. I think that's right. also why you're seeing um Astario. So we've got the group of four and then, right. then we have another group of four aggressors that were each taken three times so we have bale and sarna thorgar astariel Nephine. we're all taken three times a piece mm-hmm. zap and Rakir once and victor zero times just for completeness sake um and astariel is another one that kind of goes up and down a bit
1: um oh, but did you miss zim was taken twice
0: oh Zim was taken twice my bad um but yeah, is one that, uh, with her ignoring one res, bringing fire in the current meta, which can get very tanky and very healing-oriented, um, like, Astario's very good.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, in
0: Into what kind of the meta is, and that's one of those things, right? So this is JNAC, so this is people that have been playing games that have been performing performing well, um, right? So they they know, like... All right, I got to take, like, what... It, either you play the meta, or you play what beats the meta, or you try and, like, really, you know, big brain it, and try and beat what beats the meta, right?
2: <laughs> like, you take <laughs> yeah. it a step
0: further. Um, and uh, and I think uh, that's what you're seeing. Like, Allendeer, he punishes melee death balls, which is a really popular way to play the game. Um, Kogan's got good anti-res, Brock and Zonia are just Brock and Zonia. I don't think they'll ever not be pretty popular or in the top couple of aggressors taken. Um, They just bring good tools. Brock just brings insane monster control, which depending on the map is a huge deal. And then Zonia can just blow anyone up because that's Zonia. That's Um, what Zonia does. Yeah. So um, I actually expected to see a bit more Bale and Sarna. Especially with when you consider it's an invitational and people play more games and are more in tuned with playing, um, I really expect more Balin Sarna because they just do insane or they can do just insane things. Um, their mobility is very strong on most maps. Um, they can move souls around. Uh Bale can like out of nowhere just do a whole bunch of damage if you get him to level three. Um he get they get to steal a magical item from your opponent. Like it's they've they've got a very strong kit. Um and I was actually a little surprised in this event to not see more of them. Um yeah, that that just surprised me a bit. Was there any aggressor picks you thought were well, surprising outside of you know Alan Deer and Kogan
1: um, I mean, you know I would like to say Bale and Sarna surprised me that only they were only taken three times out of sixteen, but at the same time, with as much as they can do, um I also know that if you, they're another one that if you don't play them properly, you can punish the hell out of them okay Yep. um so i'm I'm a little less surprised by that. But it is nice in this case to see uh Thorgard coming back up a little bit and yeah. being put slotted back in there. Granted, I know one of those is being represented by Guard Dog, who's playing Herd. Heard, yeah. So you know, so any any Minotaur at this point that gets some uh love talk is partially represented <laughs> because guard dog's playing herd. Yeah. But it, it's nice to see Thorgar kind of back up there in the three because you know that was one of the things we were talking about is does You know, are Brock, Zonia, or, you know, Fazil, are they really taking him out of the mix to where he's not as useful as he once was or anything? And I don't think that's the case. I think it's just that you do obviously have a clear, really, really good aggressor that everybody likes, AKA Fazil. Yeah. And then it's a matter of, do you prefer Brock, Zonia, or Thorgar?
0: Yeah. And I think, I think Fazil is one of the ones that hurts Thorgar's pick rate, mostly because Fazil, a lot of people don't tend to use his fate ability. They run him very fate-light. Um Ooh. And Fazil kind of plays that brawly, you know, fate-light, <clears throat> uh, fate-light aggressor who has some of the tankiness that, you know, um Thorgar has, and now he's also Agi-4. You know, he reaches right. when he hits, he can eat souls to heal himself. Like he has some of that durability that really made Thorgar feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, he's got a big health pool. He's got regen. Um, he also, you know, Thorgar kind of takes defensive buffs and stuff. Well, cause if you don't kill him, he's going to start regening. And um, Fazil, Fazil fits that role quite a bit already. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like one of the, one of my locals that plays a lot of Fazil, like he started buying the steady boots. so steady and regen on Fazil, um yep. and then you're like hey i've got this edgy four guy maybe i'll knock him down to kill him you're like yeah no i'm steady so the first instance i ignore um and then he's regenning like a thorgar does so like you get like both of them take defensive items well because yeah the way they are um but i think and then like Fazil again he's got a good damage grid and all of a sudden he just decaps where thorgar yep. is very consistent you know kind of damage but. Not mm-hmm. to say that he's bad, because if you give him some gang ups and stuff, like he can just start critting for six, and once he's level two, he can pull in and punch it three times. So there yep. there's there are some benefits to him, well, but it, I think definitely. that's what hurts him.
1: I, I definitely would agree, you know, that uh, on every point you're making there, and the one thing that I, you know that I'll throw out for Thorgar over Fazil, right, is that while Fazil can decap and do lots of extra damage that way, um, Thorgar does have his ability for his throw. And yeah. so yep. it is another v- way to get some knockdown as well. So, you know, knockdown is always going to be, like you said, a prevalent thing yeah. that you want to watch out for. And Thorgar just has another instance of that. And if you can get him to level two, if you can place him right, he throws him. He just pulls him right back in after their knockdown with Mancatcher. Yep. And he's yeah, just going to sit there and beat on him.
0: Yep. Yeah. He, Thorgar's still good, but I think Fazil is the main reason why you're not seeing as many Thorgars.
1: I think so as well.
0: Um, so for some of the other stuff, so Barney wasn't picked again. Uh, I I think that's not surprising to anyone (laughs) that would be Mm -hmm. listening to this podcast. Um, Sam was also not picked. Um, the Soulgazer picks were pretty even. So Zarin at five, Cruel at four, Severa at three, Svet at three, and then no Saiyan. Um, I think there's a big consensus right now that Saiyan, legs behind the other Soul Gazers for a couple of reasons. Um if you're not building around some of her support stuff. But even then there's other characters that do some of the support better and do some other stuff like um a big part about Saiyan's or AoE heal. Uh, which Hawksa can kind of do with his totem. Uh you know for similar amounts until she like is higher leveled. Um and then you know Hoxa doesn't have to stand on top of the idol like she does. So that really surprised me. Zaren, Zaren, and Cruel are two two soul gazers that fit in most warbands. So um, I don't think there's much I'm there. I'm not surprised
1: at anything there. Yeah.
0: Um, and then the support breakdown was also pretty good. <clears throat> Hawks is still really popular. He was taken five times. He wasn't taken the like eight or nine he was in the last qualifier. <laughs> uh, Bastion three times. Lori three times. Cradle twice. Kendras twice. Um, I'm assuming some of those Hoxas turned into Bastion. um, And that's why we're seeing a bit less Hoxa um, and a couple more Bastions. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it's good to see Bastion came back a bit because we didn't see him at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I feel... I think
1: that's actually one thing to mention that's very interesting. In the last uh, qualifier, right, we didn't see Bastion, Piper, or Sky. And all three of them are seen this time around.
0: Correct. Yep. I mean, yeah, and I think Barney was actually taken. Want... Of- yep.
1: Well, Barney was taken because of you, I thought.
0: No, there was more than just me that took him.
1: <laughs> there, <laughs>
2: uh
0: yeah, Barney Barney had three people that took him. Three people, the, okay. In the last uh last event. So um I took him because I was playing all dwarves. I think Shane took him um, I don't know who else took Barney to be honest. Shane gotcha. myself. I'm skimming the last one. Who did it? Oh, Mad Dasher who didn't qualify for the event. Gotcha. So me and Shane, neither of us took Barney. Um so yeah, mm-hmm. no Barney. I guess that, that shouldn't surprise anyone
2: at this point. No. Um so okay. Um let's see what's next here.
0: So did you uh, did you get a chance to look at any of the warbands or anything or anything stick out to you in those warbands that you did see?
1: Well, I mean, I definitely am. Uh, once again, thanks to the constant way, I've had a chance to look over some of these a little bit, and I think it's really interesting. Um, a couple of the uh, warbands, like Brown and Deers actually interests me a little bit, uh, and that's just because it's Marcus and Sharn. Alandir, Istariel, Nephany, Fazil, and Zarin. Yep. That is... Uh, that, that to me just screams super combo heavy. But it's a missile battery, as he said, because you know, the four other... Four out of the six... Wait, is that only six? No, that's seven. I can't count. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, Marcus and Sharn don't have any ranged ability, nor yep. does Nephany. But Alandir, Istariel. I guess Fazil doesn't either. I can't even. Yeah. Know. But Alandar and Astario, both, if you let both of them get through, they're just going to pepper you from across the map, and they're not going to care.
0: Yeah. Yep. And it's basically like he's hes just saying, screw doing tricks, screw doing support. I'm just going to do damage. And yep. He's got the fire combo with Alandar and Astario, and then he's got a, a curse combo with Fazil and Nephany. So. Yep. Fazil can apply curse. Nephene's got um, laser storm. um, So it it damages cursed models within four inches for D six plus one. Um, I think Nephene is incredibly good into the meta right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And we only saw three of her and part of that might be from people that weren't playing her. Um, What's slightly interesting about that is um, it's Wilwar and illustrious Wahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, who also brought Nefanine who are also family members. <laughs> so, like they yep. were probably theory crafting a bit together, um, because Nefanine um is just wicked. I was watching, I think a bit of Wahoo's game, um, and they were playing into someone with Fazil, And you're like, oh, Fazil's always cursed
1: Curse, so yeah. like He's always just,
0: yeah, he had this activation. Yeah. i yeah, he had this activation where I think Nef killed two models and put damage on an Asarioel. Because like Fazil was low, he charged another person that was low. I think like a Brock or something, like triggered the level two, but cursed him, and then was hitting a star eel, and then blew up the Brock in the Fizil. I'm <laughs> just like, oh man, just just wicked. So I mean, with undead being always cursed and a lot of Fazil being around there, Nafanid becomes very strong. Yeah. I think she's a pretty good aggressor in general. Um her damage profile with dual wield being one two four into a lot of res one stuff is not fantastic. But you can use her to like punish Faziles pretty well. Like get her a Vorpal and you know, Fazil's edgy four, so you really want the extra dice, and you're like it's like death by a thousand paper cuts, and then you're like, Oh yeah, I don't even have to curse you to to do this big chunk damage on you if I've got the fate. Exactly. Um, she also's got Pathfinder in the like three inch move at the end of her um activation or something. Yeah, uh, I forgot what it's called. Jetpack is a jetpack or something or jet thruster. I, I forget what the level two is called.
1: Let's see here.
0: Um, afterburners, but yeah, afterburners. There we go. So I knew it was something jetpack really it gives her the three inch move. So I think, I think is pretty good into the met- Like, she's good into the physio part of the meta, she's not as good into the res part of the meta, right? Um, But if you look at some of the warbands, they tend to bring um, some good res answers. For instance, like Wahoo's bringing, you know, a Stariel. Someone that can cut through some of that res. Um, So stuff like that. So Absolutely. um, Yeah, I think one of the more interesting warbands for me might be Missing Tasks. So this is one that uh, they qualified um, off the one in-person event we did in Milwaukee. But they're running Bastion, Fazil, Thorgar, Skull, Piper Sky Cruel. So they are doing this like pretty mobile like death ball. Right? It's like yeah. Bastion can teleport around, Fazil's pretty quick. I mean Thorgar can has some kind of movement stuff. And then you got Piper and Sky who are both very mobile. And then mm-hmm. like just a pretty like pretty standard looking warband, but it's got a deceptive amount of mobility to it. Um they actually yeah. quite like that one. Especially for someone that uh, I don't know if he's been playing online. I don't think he. I don't think he's played in any of the other qualifiers um, that I am aware of. I would have to look. Um, so a pretty a pretty solid warband coming out of him. Um, let's see. There's some. Who's the other Cradle warband? Because I played against Robbie. Uh, trying to find the other Cradle. Constant way, if you're listening, color code your aggressor classes and stuff, <laughs> so it's easier to try and look for specific heroes. Uh, you know, just a little little suggestion for the <laughs> next time you post one. Um, I can't seem to find the cradle quickly, so. Um, but yeah, I think I do like Mr. Task Warband uh, quite a bit. Um, it it seems pretty solid and. Not... Uh, the
1: two cradle are Bartlow and Robbie.
0: Oh Bartlow, okay. So Bartlow's the other one. Yep. So Bartlow goes for the Rakir with his cradle, plus Aaron for all three Shadow Orb people. Um also goes for Fizale for some poison. Okay. Yep. Scut Sky Bastion. So he goes Bastion with his cradle. Robbie goes um Hoxa for more healing. Uh just with the idol. Um but actually Bartlow's Warband is really, really close to my cradle Warband. <laughs> um actually it's literally almost the same um i did swap out fazil for thorgar and i swapped out sky for skull uh mostly i wanted thorgar to help pull stuff in for more gang ups but very close to the cradle warband i had been playing um not in events but just i had a couple games with it on the side um gotcha so i do actually quite like that one um I I don't remember why he didn't want the Fazil in mine originally. I think I was trying to find a good spot for Thorgar. And I thought with the gang ups and, uh, bastion and stuff, Thorgar felt really good, but Fazil easily, easily slots in there as well. Oh so, yeah. Um, and then sky gives some more temp health and some more healing, right? With the spirit strike. Definitely. Uh, so, oh, well, it's pretty, pretty good to see.
1: I'm, I am going to give another shout out to, uh, Alex, Judgment Day, Alex. Yep. Because I really like the fact that he's got kind of that, uh, as the archetype was put, Iron Curtain, with having <clears throat> Brock, Lori, Bella, Marcus, Thrommel, Svetlana, and then Alanir and Fazil. I yeah, really, really, I like that build because it's very—you do have a lot of tank there. Yep. And you have enough of that burst damage from, uh, you know, both Brock and Fazil. Yeah. That you can yep. do some massive pushing through.
0: Yeah, actually I think the more interesting uh part of that is the fact that it doesn't have Zaffin. Mm-hmm. Um, Judgment Day Alex is a huge, huge dwarf fan. Um and I think normally that Alendier slot would be Zaffin, I think. Uh because of the of how much he likes dwarves. Um so the fact that it is not Zaffin is kind of intriguing to me. I think he played like four or five dwarves in the last JNAC in person at Warfare Weekend last year. Um so maybe and I don't know. i would have to ask him or maybe he will talk about it uh next time they do one of their podcasts. Um because I think that used to be Zaffin quite a bit. And the Zafin so. Allen Deer switch is a little bit intriguing to me. Um I've I've talked about it a bit before, but I do like Zaffin quite a bit, but I feel he's either he's either good or he's not. And, you know, when you're playing for an Invitational where, you know, it, it's good players, the idea might be, hey, I need something that's got not as high necessarily of a ceiling, but a higher floor that's more consistent. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I debated a couple of zaffin Warbands <clears throat> after playing them a bit, but then I actually decided against it partly because of that. My thought was just, yeah, I like Zaffin, and he can be strong. There's also a fair amount of time he's not strong, and then it just you hit a feels bad kind of situation sometimes. So
2: so.
1: makes sense. So let's uh, let's go ahead and keep this rolling, so that way we don't you know (laughs) keep more people to death with the same beating dead horse and such. Let's talk about your round one game and your warband. So obviously, break your warband down for us first. Okay.
0: So I. I've been slowly cooking this warband for a bit. Um, I haven't really been playing it a whole lot. Um, which is a bit to my detriment. I probably should eventually lock in more than the like 12 warbands I currently have on a sticky notes on my desktop to play. Um, because I just <laughs> bounce between all of them. Um, but the warband is Marcus, Sharn, Kogan, Zonia Zim, Sticks and Cavardo. Um, one of the things I think is very strong in the current meta is being able to move your opponent's models, right? If they go early with an aggressor to do something, um, I can kind of do the, I've heard it called the milk carton play, right? You get the missing person on the back of the milk carton. Um, so if they, if people overextend or do something where they're forced to do some positioning, that's not fantastic. Um, I can just abuse that positioning. Um, okay. so that's why there's both sticks and cavardo to help kind of move my opponent's models and having both allows me to, to have that option. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went with Marcus. So it was thrommel for a bit cause I had cavardo. Um, but thrommel at times can feel like he can be easily controlled by my opponent. So I actually went to Marcus. So Marcus still brings knockdown, um, that I like. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the other sneaky part about my warband is the amount of res it has. So, Styx, Cavardo are both res 1 base. Um, Zim is res 1 against shooting. And Marcus allows me to put those guys up to res 2. Very Um, true. And I haven't played with Styx plus Cavardo yet. I could have in my round 1 game But with the warband I was playing against, it just wasn't an option, which I'll get into. But that's why Marcus is there. Um, Sharn's just hard to kill. Sharn's good into some of the range stuff, providing hard cover. Um, It lets me move my aggressors around where I need them. Hammer Smash is still pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for my aggressor package, um, Kogan, I wanted Kogan. He's good against Rez. He can do the melee. You can do shooting. Um, I think the last two games with this Warband of played have actually bought him the Vorpal Blade. Um, okay. Just because it's how the game was going. Um, Zonia's there because it's Zonia. Um, I have the movement to get her safe if she plays aggressive, right? So Styx, Zim possibly, and Sharn can all, hey, I'm going to go aggressive with Zonia, and now I can pull her back to safety. Um, she also gives me the kind of blow up I need to play into scenarios where people play double defender. Right. So, um, also there's, I figured there would be a fair amount of Doan Rocker. She's very good at killing Doan Rockers. Um, so that was kind of the thought there.
2: Um,
0: and then the last slot Zim, uh, he for a while was Jaeger because I wanted just some extra control. Another person that could soul harvest because I didn't bring a soul gazer. Um the monster control was good, Rotarius is good. Especially the idea would be I can reposition people's heroes, I can pull stuff like into me in an advantageous position, I can then Rotarius, and then whatever that thing is is dead. <laughs> I mean something that's like double engaged and then Rotarius is not gonna last very long. Usually um, not. Yeah. So <clears throat> when I was looking at it though, and actually you know, Chad. I'll, I'll give a little bit of credit to Chad. He put the idea in my head um, about Zim when he did some discussion about it um, on Judgment Day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was looking, I was looking at it. Bit like I knew I wanted some amount of range presence. And Zim mm-hmm. gives me a little bit farther range. It gives me, um, it gives Frost, which can also be a pretty strong um, condition especially when you look at my war band and I'm like, Hey, I'm kind of playing a sneaky rescue. And then mm-hmm. you have frost on top of it. So like <clears throat> at one point um, in my round one game, I think I frosted something and then I had protective stance on sticks. I'm like, Oh, okay. Try like your minus three damage on my sticks. <laughs> you're not going to get a lot of, you're not going to get a lot of work done right into my sticks on that scenario. And that allows right. sticks or cavardo to play a lot more aggressive. <clears throat> Um
2: makes sense.
0: The other thing Zim gives me, which I did use in my game, is the ability to eat a soul. So I don't have yep. a Soul Gazer. Um, but Zim can kind of work in some of that soul soul control. I've got four models or three models of Soul Harvest 4, one with Soul Harvest Five. Um, so while yeah. I don't have yep. a Soul Gazer, my Soul Gazing ability is pretty solid. And that's originally why I wanted Jaeger. Right, because like if I've got a defender near a soul pit and then Jaeger can harvest from eight inches away, he can walk six and then soul harvest from two um with Pathfinder. So he can kind of get wherever he wants a bit. Um but moving to Zim allows me to eat souls instead. So like I said, I used it against my game against Robbie, which we'll get into at one point. Um, but frost is just really strong. Um his level two is pretty good. Um, his level three, I don't remember. I don't think I ended up using it. I don't think I got to level three until the end of the game. Um, but his level three can make some really weird scenarios with the tether, because then you can play really aggressive with Zim, and then they're taking a bunch of tree damage on stuff.
2: <clears throat> mm-hmm.
0: Um, so to me, but the the main idea was I want all of the movement, because I feel like out of activation movement for models is strong. It makes your opponent have to think about way more stuff. Um, and it allows me, it just gives me more maneuverability and ability to do things. Um, and then, you know, my aggressor package for Kogan Zonia is like, I need to be able to blow up defenders. And then Zim's just like, I wanted range presence. Um, and the addition of frost felt very strong. Makes uh, sense. So my first game for round one, I played against eternal Robbie. Um, he played cradle Hoxa, Kogan, Doan Rocker, Zarin, Brock and Bale and Sarna. We were playing. The double Ash Tooth, double Soul Pit, single Shrine map. Um, I banned his Brock mostly because I look at his Warband and it does not like seeing a huge amount of res. Um, cradle, which is what he tends to get a lot of work out of um, being dual wield is, you know, one two four grid. So I figured I'm going to go double Defender and make his life difficult because I felt like the Kogan, I could play around the gun relatively well. Where right. he wouldn't get a lot of value out of the gun. He didn't have things to like unjam the Kogan.
2: Um mm.
0: and then with the three-inch melee on Hoxa, that kind of works against the gun a bit. Um, I don't know how much he was aiming to try to use the gun in just in general. Um, but I felt like I don't think he took a whole lot of gunshots with his Kogan. So my plan, so I'm like, if I go double defender, I can't have Brock. <laughs> Brock needs to be gone. The Brock, yeah. can, easily oh, farm, the Brock can easily farm the Ash Tooth for fate. Cause if you, if you don't get early souls, the fate um, is pretty difficult to get on this map. Cause it's hard to control that shrine. Um, so I banned his Brock. He banned my Zonia, which again, he's got a Doan Rocker in the war band. Um, and he has just an insane amount of healing. And Zonia can just remove a model. Um, so he, he got rid of my Zonia, which I was slightly surprised at, um, mostly because I've thought he would go, I mean, I guess, cause I've got sticks and Cavardo, You're not going to ban one to not have to see the other. Um, cause right. Cause the other is an option. Yeah. Um, so he banned my Zonia, which I felt a okay with. Uh, so yeah, I went and then I dropped Cavardo Um, cause I like Styx's toolkit a bit more, um, okay. better soul harvest um better mobility. I like Ethereal Passage to move my own models a bit, which mm-hmm. ended up being pretty strong. Um, I like the higher soul harvest. Um, it just felt better. So I went um Kogan, Zim, Sticks, Marcus Sharn. Okay. Um, Robbie, Robbie dropped his Zarin, so it was he had Cradle, Hoxa, Doan Rocker, Kogan, Bale, and Sarna. Um, first round, pretty standard. I set up to get um, Kogan, my Ash Tooth kill, um, mostly cause it, I debated briefly my sticks getting it. Um, uh, but I'm like, Kogan needs to get tooled up. He's my main damage dealer. Um, so I set up a couple of shots from Zim. I think a shot from sticks, I think. And then, uh, Kogan went in. I had to reroll the charge attack, which didn't feel great. Cause I only got like a solid and I, I felt like I needed, I needed the crit on the charge, and then lo and behold, I crit on the four dice follow-up on the second <laughs> attack,
2: because
0: um, that's just how it goes. But I felt mm-hmm. burning the fate to like make sure my odds were good felt better. Hindsight, obviously, you know, it, I w- had the crit, but I didn't feel good getting the crit on four dice. Makes um, sense. Yep, so got that kind of positioned. I was lucky that the first soul appeared on my... where I was set up, um, which allowed me to soul harvest with sticks as my first activation.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. If I
0: recall, I don't even think I needed the reroll. I think I just hit the 7, because I didn't have anything set up near it. Um, and then I just kind of clogged the middle of the board. He set up some... some uh, uh sh- He set up like two shadow orbs on that side through early parts of the game. The middle kind of became a bit of a, a bit of a cluster because we were just all around the shrine. There's a Doan rocker. There was a Kogan, a Hoxa. Um I kept my Zim behind the wall for most of the game. Um, just putting out frost. Probably one of the bigger points of the game was early on after I got the sticks. Sold. So sticks, I got protective stance on early and then try and uh Sharn walked up to the shrine. Um, and the protective stance on sticks I think ended up being a huge deal because he brought his cradle up that right side and then he teleported Bale and Sarna to that soul pit., um, and because I was res 2, he didn't end up getting a whole lot of damage on Styx. And then in retaliation, I was able to uh, kill his Sarna like the following turn. So Zim frosted it, like shooting him. Um and then Styx was able to, uh, like, Move into a better position, uh, hit Sarna. Or, no, I, I swapped and so the ash tooth respawned top of three. I and he had bail, bail, and cradle engaged with my sticks. So, I okay. astral split the ash tooth into both of them. The ash tooth punched Bale, and then I got to because of the frost and stuff. Um, sticks took a shot and killed Sarna, which got sticks to level three which will be very relevant later in this story um (laughs) and then sticks spent the next like two turns basically being down by the monster pit at one point he pulled my kogan to safety and then slowly like walked over to my effigy um i could have effigy recalled when i did the ash swap because my six had a soul and he was at like nine ish hit points but the problem was is like it was like a two hit point Sarna that was frosted. I'm like, I can't not
2: like <laughs>
0: go for it here. Because right. If, because Bale was engaged by an Ash Tooth. And if he would have bounced the damage to Bale, Bale would have got very, very low and in danger.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: like, I think I hit him with like a solid and he just let Sarna die. Cause she was frosted. And I was just going to keep hitting the frosted target. Makes um, sense. So, so that let me kind of like get sticks to three, which, If you know what sticks as level three, it will come in very relevant later. Um, And then I was able to get his Kogan at one point with my Zim to get Zim to two. Um, And then I was using a lot of the Kona Cold. Little did I realize you can actually shoot three people, not two. Um, That was uh, a thing I did not realize until way later in the game. I mean, the third shot, most of the time I was hitting a lot of like, he had kind of Doan Rocker, Haxa in... Kogan right to the right of the shrine, kind of like in a triangle. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um and I could have also been shooting the Don. It wouldn't have probably mattered, but it might have later. Right. But um Robbie played a very good defensive game. He has an insane amount of healing in that warband with uh Cradle and Regen on Don and Hoxa and you know regen on Kogan and Um It made it very difficult at times to do much. It was a very like, I got ahead early with a Kogan kill. Um, and then, um, and that kill was done by Zim. And then the soul went to my Marcus. So I'm like, I feel pretty good about this. <laughs> um, Cause Zim, like, he had tools to kind of maybe get to Zim. And Zim's kind of squishy, but a Marcus was pretty solid. Um, and and then I was just able to hold the shrine. Cause he kind of had stuff on flanks with Cradle and Bale and Sarna. Cause he, like, Shadow stepped a few times So like I'm gonna shadow step and eat the soul that spawned where you had stuff. I'm like okay, like this we'll keep going. Then the soul go on the other side. Like it was it was a back and forth kind of that way because no one really was playing around his soul pit in his ash tooth. It was all mostly like around the shrine in like my soul pit in my ash tooth pit. Gotcha. Um, and well, it's kind of fun is he had two armor shredders. So mm-hmm. he stole my armor shredder with Bale and Sarna, and then he yep. bought armor shredder on Cradle. Okay. Um, which, you know, I kind of res stack a bit, so it was kind of good for him to have. Um, but yeah, so the game towards the end, so he did a lot of, I would get stuff low, he would Effigy Recall, it he would heal for D3 plus one. He had a healing idol there, but he, he couldn't really get a soul because he wasn't really breaking through what I had. And because mm-hmm. of where stuff had the position, I think I controlled the shrine a couple of times he didn't, and I had the two pretty early souls. I think I got the Kogan kill was turn two or turn three. Um and then I got the shrine a couple of times. He was with zero fate for a majority of the game. Um eventually he did get a soul harvest with Haxa. Um but by that point I was starting to shoot his Haxa with Zim. Um because I had kind of clumped up to like lower right below my shrine between the wall. Okay. Um, like I had Sharn there, Kogan was hanging out in front and behind the wall at different points. Um Sharn was there. Marcus ended up actually um for those at home, real fun trick, stand at a defender on a soul pit and then laugh when sarnak can't teleport to it. <laughs>
2: Cuz <'Cause> at <laughs> one
0: point he teleported he teleported to the left side soul pit and then uh my Marcus was like triple engaged but I got like an S or two I needed or double engaged, and I I pushed myself off. I reprotective stance Zim, and then I walked and covered the Soul Pit. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not like I'm not letting Bale and Sarna come back over here. They can enjoy being on the complete opposite side of the map. It also set Marcus up to be on the soul pit um when when the soul was gonna come up so I could get an easy plus one.
2: That uh, makes sense.
0: So yeah, game ended with essentially Sharn was a few inches from his effigy. Kogan was engaging a cradle. Um, but I had Zim within triple shoot range of the of his effigy. Um, but the turn before that, um, he had a Hoxa that Sharn put a bunch of damage on. Sharn rolled pretty hot, I think Sharn did like four or five points to okay. put, put um, Hoxha to eight. And then I had so much okay, all right, so continuing the story, we had a little um recording kick up um so the so the hoxa was down to eight um and my sticks got level three off that sarna kill. I was at um i think eleven at that point or something mm-hmm. i think i I think because I had so much fate, I was positioning i I think I was generating like I had the shrine I had you know two or three i think I had three souls at that point
2: uh-huh. Um,
0: and then, so sticks in uh, my sharn did I think four or five damage. Was able to push, hoxa within, um, within six inches of sticks, and mm-hmm. then sticks went. And and Robbie at this point felt pretty safe with this hoxa because it's a hoxa agility four res one. I think Doan Rocker was nearby. Like you're feeling pretty <laughs> good that hoxa's okay.
1: Not if that sticks is level three. I'm not.
0: And then Styx is like, I think he was at 14 because I think one of the turns after he banked this, like he walked lower to the right, um, banked the soul eventually, and then started walking up. And one of the turns he walked up, I fate healed him because he didn't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so he was at like 14. His Hawks was at eight. I'm like, well, I'm sitting on a bunch of fate. So I pain reflector to kill the Hoxa. Yep. Um, and then I had fate where I could just fate heal five of the eight damage back. So it oh went, God. yeah, it went from like, all right, your Hox is dead. And then did I, I might have ethereal passage my Zim up to in front of the wall at this point. I don't remember. Um, but then uh, the next turn came around. Um, at that point, he, I blocked his Cradle from eating the soul. I had in double engaged. Uh, cradle with uh, uh, my Kogan, with a Vorpal. Um, I had uh, Sticks that could walk in Soul Harvest with a Marcus Helper, who then Marcus could also harvest. Um, and I had Zim in triple shoot range of his Effigy. I also had his Effigy in charge range of Sharns. Um, and at that point, uh, Robbie decided to call the game because either I shoot three times with Zim on the Effigy Sharn could have done it. And with, I think two of my souls were banked. Cause I killed cradle once I had, and then sticks banked to bank the one he harvested. And then the right. only other soul was on Marcus who was out on the soul pit. Um, so really Zim shoots three times and I had, I had four souls and I think I got the shrine again. I was sitting on like seven or eight fate. So like, gotcha. And it's four hit hit points on the effigy at that point. So, like, I, you know, Zim shoots three times as a chance to get it. I could kill the double engage. You know, I battle cry with Kogan. He gets three hits on a, like, 14 hit point cradle. That's also reliable. Sticks can walk could have walked in a seven with a reroll, and then Marcus would have had seven with a reroll because I had blocked the cradle in. So the cradle couldn't walk and eat the soul. So like, I don't think there's in, and, and Marcus was on top of the soul pit. So Bale and Sarna couldn't go over there. Like there's in his, his Kogan was kind of off to the, like the side of his, like there wasn't really anything. He, he, like if I miss the effigy kill with Zim, you know, I go walk and harvest twice on a seven he maybe he might have been able to kill my sharn, or I go or I charge after him with sharn with whatever's left. Like there's no, I, I, yeah. And we decided to call it. Say,
1: yeah, it just sounds like it was an overall really good game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to give a massive shout out to Robbie. We played, we were on turn nine when the game ended. Turn Dang. nine, and neither of us had clocked yet. I think I was down to about four ish minutes, which really was an eternity at that point. Cause there's no, there was no thinking involved. It's Zim goes after the effigy. He doesn't get it. Great. Sharon charges. The effigy doesn't get it. Great. I go harvest. Don't get it. Okay. harvest again. Right. Like it's a real fat, like there's no, there's right. no decision making.
2: You were so, at points.
0: Yeah. And and it, and like you decide like, yeah, like let's just call it. the game's done, and like and also it's it's double elimination. tiebreakers don't matter. So like if it's Swiss format, it matters, right? You could get a soul on a level if you killed the kind of low Sharn. I think she was at 11, right because I was so fate heavy the game I got to do kind of whatever I wanted, um, and he didn't have good res breaking tools <clears throat> without the Brock. So the Brock got banned, and then I was just able to, all right, double defender. I knew it was going to be a grindy game because of his warband, my warband, how it was going to go. But um, it was a big deal. The first soul came to my side, and I was able to snag it with sticks because that mm-hmm. kind of gave me that perpetual fate I needed to keep going. Um, if the soul went to the other side, it could have been a bit different. Um, the warband, you know, sticks likes the threat of spending fate i don't think he needs to and that's where i like sticks a bit more than cavardo um just ethereal passaging models around is Mm -hmm. really good it is um and you know robbie was really good about putting up shadow orbs to eat souls and at one point i started like spending actions to kill shadow orbs because i'm like i think kogan at one point um, was over to that side, and he just walked and like he couldn't do much, so I was just positioning him. And he actually walked up and killed an orb, and then <laughs> like, and then, oh, that's what I did that So the turn sticks um came up in pain reflected. um his last action, he walked and then ate the other shadow orb on that side. so he couldn't get cradle there to eat the soul. that's gotcha. what he did, um. And then like my Zim at one point, he had a soul spawn on his side that was kind of coming to where everything was. And like my Zim ate a soul at one point um, to kind of prevent right. that. Cause we both weren't playing with gazers. So undead's got that strength to him, but yeah, right. um, it was a great game. It, it felt like I felt ahead, but mm-hmm. it felt like it had the opportunity to like pivot at any time where like one or two things, go his way a bit more my way that it it could have went and i think if he would have started to have some more fate the game would have changed a, a bit but his okay. broadband also wasn't super fate heavy but the true damage on my defenders with equilibrium probably would have started affecting me a bit um if he had the opportunity to to do that um so I
2: don't know.
1: but
0: yeah Uh fantastic game uh props to robbie on that one um select him in the losers bracket and that cradle warband is wicked yes um so all right uh, that was my round one uh recap uh we're gonna kind of go through the bracket a bit so round one winners is almost complete we actually have half of round one losers complete already as well mm-hmm. um so the events kind of moving along so round one we had uh missing tasks defeated Shane um So Shane was last year's winner in the number one seed missing tasks was the number 16 seed. So this was your, your bracket buster. If you like your March madness Mm -hmm. um, kind of scenarios. Um, So props to missing tasks. Again, I don't know how much he's been playing. Um, I don't know if he, he's done some of the other qualifiers, but uh, yeah, for, for coming in And and knocking off Shane.
1: Well, and the one thing—the one thing I am going to say—and this isn't to take anything away from missing tasks. Shane has also said, "I know that he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't do as well playing online as he says he does in person."
0: Yeah. So he, um, he
1: said he struggled with that in the past.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I don't know how many games. Shane, I think Shane's been playing in most of the qualifiers. I, I, don't I think really so. Know, though.
1: Like I said, I just know he, he, that was something he had said last year, especially was that he actually does better in person than he does online.
0: Yeah. There's been a few other people that have mentioned that too. So, um,
1: but once again, that's not taking anything away from missing tasks. Good job for coming in and knocking out the, uh, guy at the automatic seat, you know, sending him down into the loser's bracket.
0: Yep. Um, and then the next matchup was guard dog versus Colote. Um, this one I actually streamed and commentated probably from like the beginning, like middle beginning of turn two on, um, these guys actually met in the previous qualifiers final table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they even played the same war bands. I think Colote playing the same. Card <laughs> dog played the herd. Um, guard dog, uh, did a clinic on how to play thrommel. um, the map is the Ashtooth map with a friendly side Ashtooth, which is Thrommel's favorite thing to see. Um, he gave the kill to Thrommel. Thrommel bought Tome of Experience. And then Thrommel got to level three and then just do Thrommel things. Colote's um, <laughs> <laughs> Warman was kind of packed up in the middle. I'm pretty sure uh, Guard Dog got like a three person dwarf toss and then another three person dwarf toss um and it was just brutal um that one is actually on my twitch channel i've got my past broadcast thing set up um so if you go to twitch.tv slash wk zero n g um that you can look and you can see it from turn two on. I'm assuming turn one was pretty straightforward like Fazil killed like Colote's Fazio got the Ash tooth kill. He gave the Ash tooth kill to his Thrommel. And then he, Guard Dog just screamed across the table um, and did some jumping. And because Colote couldn't really control the Shrine, he didn't have fate. Um, so it was just a lot of knockdown and it just kind of snowballed. So if you want to see the terrible, terrible things Thrommel can do in a game, um, I'd recommend go watching that one. Um... Next, we had Wilwar and Bartlow. So Wilwar had to drop out um, due to he got sick. Um, so not much to say there. Um, constant way Other than we
1: hope you get better soon.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, definitely hope he gets better. Um, but he had to drop out of the event, and they decided instead of pulling someone else in, because it's early in the event to just award forfeits, um, I think that's fine.
1: Um, it moves it along a little bit faster.
0: I think that was the idea is let's just get the event going. <clears throat> I think I think a lot of people are looking forward to version two. I think um, so. And I think, you know, the J- this is the last kind of events that we'll see until um, that kind of stuff occurs. Yep. Um, Constant Way defeated Soul Burner. So another one of my Milwaukee guys. So Constant Way is playing the Modified Herd. Soul Burner is playing a pretty standard-ish warband, I think. It might even be the same last... The same one from the last um events, Bale, Zay, uh, Bale and Sarno, Zarin, Zonia, Hawks Hawks, the Jaeger. So it looks pretty close, though. He's running solo Thrommel and added a Jaeger. So pretty close to his last warband. Um, and then next, we've got Illustrious defeated Spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, so Illustrious, I think, is playing a roughly similar warband. I think he was one of the Nephene picks. Uh, Pook Pook defeated Tryhard Dan. (coughs) Uh, I defeated um, Eternal Robbie. And then Brandon and Alex, I believe, are playing today. So we have everything almost done from Winners Round 1. And then if you want to take the Losers Bracket Round 1.
1: So uh, Losers Round 1 right now, we've got uh, Shane and Colote who are going to be playing at some point. Um, They're your top, you know... Our first uh, bracket of that. Then you yep. had Will War and Soulburner, who, as we said, because Will War has gotten sick and has dropped out, Soulburner automatically advances to the bracket of losers round two. So, congrats to him. Sucks for the circumstances for Will War, but we understand. Um, you know. And then in the third one, we've got Spiral versus Tryhard Dan, which they have already played as well. And Spiral came out victorious over Tryhard Dan in that, so congrats to him for moving on to the losers bracket of round two. Um, good job getting in here and playing a few games, Tryhard Dan. Always happy to see you know people playing. So, and then we've got Eternal waiting on whoever is losing from Brandon and Alex's game.
0: Yep. So that that's uh, our the loser bracket from our little quad, I guess, or whatever you want to call it yep so yep so we've got two people eliminated so far. We'll have two more eliminations once losers' round one completes mm-hmm. um and then round two for the for the winner's bracket um missing tasks uh task does not get any easier. He gets guard dog uh, who's been tearing it up in the events that he's been playing in with the herd yep um so that one that one will be an interesting one to watch.
2: definitely you've
0: got. Uh, Bartlow versus the constant way, which I believe are both Pacific Northwest folks. Um, I don't know how close they are though, in relation to each other, like distance wise, but um, that's the first, uh, well, it's the second Northwest versus Northwest matchup. Cause I think Alex might also be from up that way. Um, so, uh, so Brandon and Alex uh, played each other first round. Um, this is the second regional matchup. I guess you want to call it or whatever matchup. Um, So that would be kind of fun to see. Then the next one's illustrious Wahoo versus Pook, which is the next regional one. So that's a Milwaukee versus Milwaukee uh, uh, region matchup, which again, I find it kind of funny. We had all these Milwaukee people and we didn't, none of us hit each other in round one. Um, So that's kind of fun. Uh, A fun side note is the loser of that plays soul burner. So another Milwaukee guy, So it's like this like weird, like Milwaukee mini bracket going on um, in that part of the overall bracket. Um, And then it's uh, myself versus Brandon or Alex, whoever wins that one will then play each other. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're looking, you know, we're, we're moving along here. Um, I'm hoping. So Brandon and Alex game should be wrapped up. Um, I believe they said they're playing today. Um, And we already have some of the loser bracket stuff going. And then, you know, once the, the, uh, the Brandon Alex matchup is done, then they could play Robbie and we kind of move stuff along. So we're, we're going pretty good pace Um, at this point. I feel like, I think we're just at about a week, which isn't Mm -hmm. bad for a round. Um, I'm hoping maybe some of the rounds might, I mean, we already have some of the loser, like one of the loser round games have already been played. Um, So we're, we're, Technically slightly ahead of schedule.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that is confirmed. Um, they are playing in person
2: today. Yeah. Brandon and Alex. Okay. So, so and then, um, yeah, so we're moving along. Like I said, we're, we're
0: as we go, we've got less and less people playing. So I'm assuming the rounds will shorten depending on how people's schedules work out. Um, right, because you're just waiting on less people, right? So any of the the bracket winners now could have started playing their game now if they yep. wanted, because all the maps have been determined.
2: So
1: Absolutely. Which I, I gotta say, uh, give definite points to Guns and Tirith for doing that right away. Just putting the maps out there, letting it here. They all are. You guys can just start playing through as you know. You know who you're playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that makes an infinite amount of sense to do it that way. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you don't want the event to drag on and yep. like you, you theoretically have to play more rounds of games. Granted you mm-hmm. get less and less players, so it could move faster. But um, I think everyone, you know, like it, the timing to me feels a little bit weird, right? Cause there's a lot of people looking forward to um, version two. Yeah. There's also, you know, the closed beta has started um and there are people that are in the JNAC that are also in the close beta so it like it divides your attention a bit mm-hmm. right like um not everyone can play an infinite amount of games a week or you know more than a couple depending on right what else is going on so there is some of that going on right that i think you know personally i, I got into the close beta um and my focus has been a bit more there right then the JNAC um, and it sucks a little bit, right? It divides your attention. And like I said, right, we all only have, you know, X amount of free time and you got to allocate right. it, how uh, you can allocate it. So, um, cause normally I probably would have tried to get more games in with my war band before like settling right. on it and, and playing it. And, you know, even, even in between, I probably would have tried to get like, all right, what's the new map? Let me get a game on it against whoever. Let me see, you know, try yep. stuff out. That's not the case at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see where we're going. Like I said, I think the rounds will start speeding up because we have less games. Probably. Um, I, I hope. Um, and at this point, the time zone stuff should be a little bit easier. Um, Tryhard Dan was the only UK guy. Right. So it's a little bit easier when yeah. you're in the same time zone or like Pacific to central is only a two hour difference. That's a lot easier to handle Dealer. than 14.
1: Yeah, yeah um, definitely.
0: But yeah, Spiral's still, still going strong at this point. Um, so he might be, you know, him and soul burner are the first that, you know, they've got the chance to run it through the losers bracket back to the finals. Yep. So we'll see, we'll see how that ends up going, but um
2: on that note, though,
1: it might be time.
0: Yeah, unless you got any final thoughts, we'll we'll wrap
1: it up here. Uh, only final thought I have is once again, congratulations to all you guys making it in here and playing some awesome games and keeping some good content going on Twitch. You know, streams for us as well.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll keep trying to stream when I can. Um, I didn't really have a lot of advance notice for a couple of the games, so it made it a little bit difficult. Um, and Hell a couple yeah. were during my work hours, so that also makes it more difficult. But Absolutely. I will I will try and stream and commentate and pull people in when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Guns and uh, Tirith mentioned they wanted to stream games, but I don't think they have streamed any yet on the official channel. Um, partly because I think Guns is still dealing with some of the moving stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll keep trying when I can. Um, and I will post in JNAC I did a tag of everyone last time. I don't know if I'll do that again. Um, If people were not happy I did that and didn't want to get pinged, that's fine. I will definitely not do that. Um, But I was trying to give people a heads up um, when it was current. So there you go. I think that's it for another episode of Effigy Recall. Until next time, let's recall out of here.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Effigy Recall.
0: If you have any comments, questions, ideas for a show, or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me using effigyrecall at gmail.com
1: or message Shane on the official Judgment Discord server. Thank you very much and have a great day.